Over the years, I've learned an important mindset about spiritual disciplines, which has deeply formed my life with God. We can easily jump into spiritual disciplines like prayer, scripture reading, solitude, fasting, or even rest with the wrong mindset. If we move too quickly to what we're going to do, instead of aligning our hearts with God and what he can do, we might just give up before we've made real progress. It's called spiritual burnout. But on the other hand, if we pause to understand the disciplines as the means of God's grace that we pursue in order to align our hearts with his and to let his life in us be the source of our vitality, I think we can end up making real progress because we're allowing God's sovereign hand to affect our hearts at the very core of what we're doing through the disciplines. That's what this episode is all about, and it's called Spiritual Formation, Alignment Before Achievement. I think it could be the most important message for us to hear before going deeper into the spiritual disciplines. Spiritual formation is about union with God, not utility of God. I'm excited for you to hear this today. By the way, if you want to go deeper into spiritual practices as a disciple of Jesus, I've worked with my team to create an entire video course on spiritual formation, and it's available to you at no charge. Check it out at himpublications.com. You can also click on the link in the show notes of this episode. Now for the content. By the way, it was recorded as a sermon at my home church that I preached in Franklin, Tennessee, just for a little context. Enjoy. I hope you're well, and if you are not feeling well, may God bless you and even heal you. And to those who are grieving, may God comfort you. I know it's been a really weird year. Um, It's been, I think for a lot of us, very difficult, at least confusing. It's been a strange time. Um, but what I want to say is, it's 2021. Yes! You know what? And there's haters out there saying 2021 won't be better. We don't know, but at least it feels new, right? And so we're turning over a new leaf, you know, a new page in the calendar. And as a church, we are about to change gears soon. Um, like JP talked about, we're going to move into a time, a season of prayer and fasting starting January 17th through February 7th. And so I just want to say that I'm excited about what God is doing and that he can do a new thing. He can do that every day, but some days it's more exciting than others. Um, And so today's message is a standalone message, and I'm calling it Spiritual Formation as Alignment. And my main text is Acts 13, verse 22. And there's a phrase in this passage that we're familiar with, but I want to like dig into it. And say, what does it actually mean? And how does that impact our lives? So, Acts 13 verse 22 says, God made David their king. He testified concerning him. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. I love that. David, a man after my own heart. So we're going to dig into what that actually means, because I think more than anything right now, we need to align our hearts with God. You know, prayer and fasting are just two of the spiritual disciplines, and there's a long list. I'll just name a few to get our minds in, in this space. Think of solitude, silence, rest chastity, reading scripture, worship, confession, the list goes on. The spiritual disciplines 
are something that should be on our radar. But it's like, man, do I really have to be disciplined in my relationship with God? And then you start thinking about New Year's resolutions, and then it's like, oh, man, the holidays were great. I had a lot to eat. And it's like, oh, my goodness, okay. New leaf, oh. Then you take a deep breath, and you're like, okay, what do I need to do? And I'm just afraid that if we don't pause for a second as individuals and as a church to say, okay, let's, let's just pause a minute and let our hearts connect with the heart of God before we go and do things, I think that we could focus too much on the achievement when it's not necessarily the first thing that we need to think about. In other words, I'm afraid that if we don't talk about the heart of God and our hearts with God, that we might start the year off with our action and our achievement and our resolutions, which are not inherently bad things. But what we really need is God's heart. And so the risk is, is that if we move too quickly to action without alignment, then we risk burnout. Anyone experienced spiritual burnout before? So um, I remember, I've been a Christian 25 years now since I was nine years old, and I can just be the first to admit that I have had many ups and downs in my spiritual walk with the Lord, and I've, I've felt burned out before. I remember one in instance in particular, I was in my mid-20s and I'd been through ministry training and I was just not really feeling it. I wasn't wanting to read scripture, prayer was difficult, it was just like, it was a stretch. Okay, now, who's experienced spiritual burnout? Okay, there's more hands. I thought, maybe, okay, let's, let's talk about those, let's be real. Um, and what happened in that season for me was I went to a mentor of mine at the time and I said, what advice do you have for me going into my late 20s? It was a general question. It wasn't like, hey, in light of where this, it was just general. And, and knowing where I was at a little bit, he said, I want you to learn, or not I want you to, but I advise you to learn to enjoy God in scripture. I was like, really? That's like all the advice you have for me? Isn't it like go like, you know, get another degree or like go try this career thing out? Because I was one of those people who tried a bunch of different jobs until I found what I wanted to do. But it wasn't any of that. It wasn't anything action-oriented ex exactly. He said, I want you to learn, or I, I advise you to learn to enjoy God in Scripture. And so I took that and I, I ran with it and... I learned the importance of alignment with God's heart before achievement. And so I want to share some of what I learned from that, but that's essentially what I want to share with you is delight instead of just duty, of union, not just utility. Because I think if we approach God with the wrong mindset, we're going to miss it. And so we're going to focus on the life of King David today. We're going to use... Acts 13, 22 is a launching point, and then hit on three snapshots in his life. You know, I think for some of us, this last year has been challenging and stressful. I think for others, maybe we've kind of felt lazy. 
had more time off work, more time to like just be alone. I don't know how many of you have had COVID, known someone with COVID, or, or, or just been cautious, but there's been, I think some of us, we're just having different habits. Maybe we're working from home. There's just, it's a different kind of schedule. The word we've been using at my house for 2020 is, it was dynamic. It, I mean, it was just up and down. It was, it was weird. So I think for some of us, we're like, okay, what do I do now? There's the highs and the lows. There's the, I think we lived like 10 years in one year, right? (laughs) The dry spells and the raining seasons, the ups and the downs. And when our heads are in the wrong place, I think what we do kind of automatically, if we're one type of person is, we're like, okay, it's time for a change. And so we just pull up our bootstraps and we're like, all right, let's go. It's called white knuckle spirituality. It's when you white knuckle it and you just sort of say, all right, I can do it. I learned how to train for the football team. I know what it takes, you know, in performing arts to get it done. I'm going to apply that to God. And then it's like, here's the problem with that. It works. If we just pull up our bootstraps and try harder with God to get that relationship we want with him or to grow, it works. But here's the problem. Only for a little while. Because we're doing it when our head's in the wrong place on our own strength. On the other hand, there's some of us who, when we think about, okay, spiritual disciplines, it's like, did he use the word disciplines? Like, come on, man. <laughs> this is supposed to be easy. You know, there's other, others of us who, you know, it's like, we look at where we're at and we look at where Jesus is at and we're like, they aren't even close. So I'm just giving up, you know. Now, we probably wouldn't say that out loud, right? We need to go to church and people need to think that we're trying. <laughs> but in our hearts, right, it's like, seriously, though, Jesus, me? Uh-uh, that's not, I can't, no comparison whatsoever. And then we read, David, a man after God's own heart, he will do everything I want him to do. It's like, so I think there's this, like, dichotomy, right? It's either I try really hard or I don't try at all. And, and, you know, I think for some of us, the don't try at all is like God's going to do it. We just kind of wait for him to do something. But then neither of those really work out in the long term. And so we're kind of caught in the middle. And I think, I think that we think about the spiritual disciplines as though they're drudgery when God wants us to think of them with delight. And there's a a shift here. And what I'm going to talk about today is kind of a nuance. It's not an either or, a black or white. It's not a binary. It's a creative third alternative to the either or. We could call it the with. And as we spend time with God, God changes our hearts. See, that's the missing element from all these discussions, any philosophy of change, any paradigm of of change that the world offers is missing God, right? So it just doesn't work. And so if we're not careful, we kind of adopt this achievement mentality. We adopt this, maybe even a false view of, of God where he does it and I don't do anything. But in the middle, God invites us into participating with him of being with him. 
and he changes our heart. And this is important because only heart level change leads to lasting change. You guys with me? In other words, let's pause at the beginning of this year and align ourselves with God. So how do we do this? How does this happen, practically speaking? I want to present to you a way of thinking that may be different. By looking at Acts 13, 22, and seeing how the character trait of David's life, that he was a man after God's own heart, can be a character trait in our lives and what that means. So in Acts 13, 22, it says, God says, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Now, that phrase, a man after my own heart, like we don't use that in any other scenario in life, except for maybe when we're talking about a guy chasing after a girl's heart, right? When he doesn't have it, like he's trying to win her heart, he's chasing after her. But that's, I just want to say, that is not what this passage means. In other words, David wasn't chasing after God's heart but not getting it, he was actually aligned with God's heart. And here's how I know that. It's because the very next sentence defines that sentence. It says, he will do everything I want him to do. Does that sound like someone who hasn't aligned himself with the heart of God? No. That's why I think it might be better or more helpful to think of this phrase as, David was a man aligned with my heart. Or, a man who lives according to my heart. Eugene Peterson paraphrases this as, he's a man whose heart beats to my heart. And so, I want us to think about spiritual formation in different terms. Not so much about the achievement ladder, to sort of, you know, making my, my progress on the journey... I think the journey metaphor has a place, but before it, I think alignment with the very heart of God must come first. In other words, David had his heart aligned with the heart of God. Now, we purposefully drew the lines wobbly because we are not flawlessly aligned with God's heart, right? We're never... 100% match for match, only Jesus was that. But we can, in actuality, in our real lives, be aligned with God's heart as the general characteristic of our lives and our actions. Isn't that exciting? I think there's this false belief that we can't be anything like Jesus, because, well, he's Jesus, right? It's like, no, no, we actually can. It's part of the gospel. But we can't apart from God himself. In other words, when Jeremiah says, I will give them a new heart, in Jeremiah 31, he didn't mean, I will help them muster up new resolutions. No, I will give them a new heart. And so, how do we do this? It's called alignment. So it's this interesting middle ground where it's not us doing it and it's not God acting on us who are passive. 
It's us with God. Isn't that good news? Because telling you what, I have really tried to pull my bootstraps up in life and it is just frustrating. It's like, oh man, that didn't work. Well, I did the right things, right? So there's this other way to live. And so my message today is called Spiritual Formation as Alignment. And my main point is this, is that if we, we will do well if we think about the disciplines in terms of alignment first and then achievement. Because it's not us who do the work, but it's God who is working in us. And I think we, we've got to change our minds about this, especially as we're moving into a season of prayer and fasting. It's like, come on, as Americans, is fasting really the, the top thing on our list of things we you know, are advertised to do? It's like, it's like, now how do you do that again, right? So we're going to get into that, right? Starting next week, we're going into a whole series about that. But that's just one of, that's just a microcosm of the different disciplines. And if we don't sort of reframe our minds about the heart of God, I think, I think that, that we'll, we'll kind of, it's the cart before the horse scenario. And so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about the means of grace. Who has heard the term means of grace as a way to talk about the spiritual disciplines before? All right. So, some traditions talk about the disciplines in maybe more palatable terms. It's like, if you don't like that word, well, let's talk about the means of grace. And here's what it means. God's grace pours out through specific ways. And when we receive them, by cooperating with him and participating with him, we receive the means of grace. So, for example, communion is a means of grace. Fellowship, confession, solitude, silence, I mean prayer, all these are means of grace. In other words, it's the way through which God pours out his grace. And I think that that's a great way to think about it because God invites us into his life. I love how Dallas Willard talks about this. He says, grace is not opposed to effort, but to earning. God's grace is not opposed to our effort, but it is opposed to our earning. In other words, we do exert effort when we cooperate with God, when we align our hearts with God. It's a process, but we don't earn anything. And so let me describe it in terms of an analogy. The first analogy I want to use is an oasis in the desert. Okay? So take my Yeti because people bring Yetis to the desert. And you're walking around, right? It's arid. It's dry. All you see is sand as far as you can see. And you are parched. And then you become dangerously thirsty. And then on the horizon you see greenery. And so it's like, oh my goodness. And you find out it's an oasis. And so you go to this oasis and and you find there's water there that's making the plants live. And so you're like, oh my goodness, I'm so, this is perfect. I'm going to fill up my water here and I'm going to drink it. Right? Well, spiritually speaking, going to the oasis is going to the means of God's grace in a dry and weary land. And here's the, the good news. God's grace is predictable. His oases are fixed. We just have to find where they are and go to them repeatedly. Here's a sci-fi version of, of that. It's another analogy. Pretend that God's grace is an ocean of water 
expanding in all directions over your head with a glass ceiling, okay? And he wants to pour it out, and he's got these, like, these fountains of water flowing out of this massive reservoir of water that pour out in these streams, right? These cylinders of his grace. A little psychedelic, right? It's a little different. Well, if that's God's grace, all we have to do is fill up. And it's like, wow, there's water in here. This is amazing. And then you walk over here and it's like, oh, prayer. That's how I can receive God's grace. Fasting? Now that's kind of weird, but wow. It's a means of grace. Confession? Man, that's good. God's grace is waiting to pour out through specific means, but here's what a lot of people do spiritually. Man, where's God? And the water's just gushing, like right here. And they're like, that's not my style. I don't really connect with that. Then, you know, they put it out, and there's some... There's some dew in the morning, but it's like, ah, I can't. People, there's, there's a group of people that I, and I don't know who taught them this, but it, the only way that they connect with God is out in the woods by themselves. They're like, you know, church just isn't for me. I'm a, I connect with God. I just feel God when I'm in the woods. It's like, cool. Like, me too. There's a, it's a unique, it's called solitude and connect with God in nature but if that's your only like spiritual means of grace it's like dude you are totally missing out you guys tracking with me does means of grace make sense so in other words God is not elusive he's got specific ways that we can connect with him and to me that's super liberating we don't have to wonder like will that oasis be there will this flood of his water in the form of a fountain go away and here's the thing sometimes it's more like a drip at least it feels that way but it's still there and so what I want to say is think about your walk with God in terms of first alignment with his heart in other words we align our hearts with his as we move toward him and then he changes us that's how it works And here's the thing, it's never going to change. God fixed the way the world works through the Logos, his eternal son, and it will never change. It will always be through the means of God's grace as he ordained before the creation of the world. So it's like, if that, you know, might as well get on board now because tell you what, it is a ride and it is the ride of a lifetime. And so what I want to do is I want to look at the life of David for what this actually looked like in his life, a man after God's own heart. And so I've decided to take three snapshots. When he was a young man, as a warrior, when he was a little older as a king, and then when he was an old man, more like a sage, wise figure, to look at what the life of a person who is aligned with the heart of God looks like. Snapshot one, warrior David. In 1 Samuel 17, 37, we see David approaching Saul, ready to fight Goliath. Now, up until this point, we don't know much about the life of David, except that he was a shepherd boy, right? Which meant, pretty much, we know that he spent a lot of time alone in the fields watching sheep. 
And then all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I can defeat the, a giant, the biggest warrior in the Philistine army and no one else will do it. It's like, now hold on here. Shepherd boy to great warrior. What? And this is what he says to Saul. He says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. What was he doing in those fields when the lion and the bear came? That his very slingshot was the work of the Lord in his life. Alignment. What kind of person had he become to that point that he was confident to say, through me, the Lord will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. It's like, what? David, a man aligned with God's heart. What's amazing is that he did it. In other words, alignment leads to achievement, but it's God who's working in us and through us. And that is what feels like magic. That is the adventure that we're invited into. Because truth be told, if we're to just kind of live to our own devices and like make up our own narrative and our own story and like live into that, our own personal sort of fantasy, it's like, Honestly, those are really lame stories. But that story is cool. And God invites us into his story because he does what's miraculous and he invites us into it. And that's why it's important to stop before we act so that we can enter into what he wants. He will do everything I want him to. Snapshot moment number two, King David. 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 19. In the first snapshot, David was a boy, and he was only king to be. But now David is 30, and he's officially named as king. And the Philistines come in, it says, in full force for David. And they spread out in the valley of Rephaim. And we read in 2 Samuel 5, 19, David's response. Okay, so it's like, it's like act two. So David and Goliath, that was at one point. Now years later, the Philistines, the very army that he had defeated their lead warriors, coming after him again. And so it says that David inquired of the Lord, shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? And it's like, if I were David, I might be tempted to think, dude, I did that once. Watch out, I'm coming again. I'm King David. But no, he pauses And he listens, he aligns with the Lord, and the Lord says, go, for I will surely hand over the Philistines to you. I think in the middle of a stressful situation, David could have been tempted, I think he might have very well been tempted to be like, all right, let's go, guys, like, they're coming, let's go get them. But he says, no. The means of grace, prayer. And it says that David defeated them there at Baal Perazim. Same song, second verse. The Philistines come back again. This is the third time in our story here, in our kind of, um, our message today, the same chapter. 
So they literally just defeated the Philistines and then they're coming back at them again. And David, I bet David could have been like, really guys? Like, oh for two, you coming back for more? It says once more, this is 2 Samuel 5, 22. Once more, the Philistines came up and spread out in the valley of Rephaim. So David inquired of the Lord. He paused. And God answered, do not go straight up, but circle around behind them and attack them in the front of the balsam trees. As soon as you hear the sound of marching in the top of the balsam trees, move quickly. Because that will mean the Lord has gone out in front of you to strike the Philistine army. And it says, so David did as the Lord commanded him. And he struck down the Philistines all the way from Gibeon to Gezer. I love this narrative. For me, this has become a pillar of my understanding of spiritual formation. David knew that he couldn't presume the Lord would do the same thing in the same scenario two times in the row two times in a row. So he came to God and he said, God, what do you think? And what's interesting is that God gives him very specific orders. The first time it was basically yes, when it could have been a yes or no. But this time it was, don't go straight up. It's like flank to the left, you know? It's like, what? When we pray, we hear things from God that we might not expect to hear unless... We come to God as utilitarians and not seeking union. If we approach God for what he can do for us instead of how we can align with him, if we don't do that, if we have the wrong posture of heart when we approach God, we just might not hear, wait for the sound of the marching of troops in the top of the balsam trees. <laughs> right? Now how much more because we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, can we hear from God? So if you think, well, that's just King David, it's like, no, man. No, we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how simple, not necessarily easy, but simple it is to pause and to say, God, what do you have for me? Because I'll do whatever you want. You know, I think, one of the greatest dangers in our society, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, is this time factor. And this is especially true with prayer. But I think it's true with all of the disciplines. I'm convinced that the greatest challenge or threat to our intimacy with God in our context of American life is that we struggle to make time for connecting with God. And so what I want to do, I just want to encourage you that it's worth your investment, every minute of it, to seek after God. Think about how much you love your children. I just want to soak up every minute I have with my daughter, Emma. God wants that with us. And he's just waiting to pour out his grace upon grace lavishly into our lives if only we will meet him where his heart's at. It's worth every second. And there's no shortcut to communion with God. There's no way around it. There's only God's way. 
It's reported that when Martin Luther, the great Protestant reformer, knew he had a lot to do during the day, that he actually prayed longer. Quantity of time is, re- is required for quality of time, I believe. How many relationships do you have that are really great and quality without quantity? Yeah, that don't happen. It just doesn't. There's no way to build memories. There's no way to listen. There's no way to share without quantity of time. And I'm convinced that in our culture, we need to spend lots of time with the Lord. But that is very difficult because of the allure of various and myriad idols. I love this story we hear. Um, and this is, this is, I've only been able to find one source for this. But purportedly, Dan Rathers interviewed Mother Teresa. Dan Rathers, the former CBS reporter, And he asked her, he said, uh, you know, he asked her about her prayer life. And he said, when you pray, what do you say to God? You know, it's like Mother Teresa, right? (laughs) What do you say? And she says, oh, I don't say anything. I just listen. And rather said, well, what does God say when you pray? And she said, he doesn't talk. He just listens. She knew, I believe, that prayer, like the other disciplines, is primarily about alignment with the heart of God. What's amazing is what comes out of that. If you look at the life of David, you find a man of great achievements, right? Incredible victories in battle. But all along, his heart was with the Lord. Now, I find that really interesting. Because we know that he was far from perfect. So I hope that's encouraging to you as it is to me. Alignment doesn't mean perfection. Progress, because here's the thing. Progress is what we're shooting for, not flawlessness, right? Here's the thing. Alignment is different than achievement. Because if we're, if we're thinking about the achievement ladder, it's like, oh man, it's like, Wow. The stairs just keep going up. And it's like, here's the truth, they do. God can do unfathomable things in our lives. But alignment can happen like that. It can happen in an instant. In other words, because we're in Christ, we have at our very disposal everything we need for life and godliness. Second Peter says. It's right there. It's not like you gotta earn it. You gotta, you gotta muster it up before God's gonna give it to you. It's like, no, he's waiting to pour it out. If only we will submit ourselves to his means of grace. And so we find David in snapshot number three as a sage. He's later in his life, and he brings Solomon, the heir to be, into his room to give him basically his final words, his parting words. Ed Kayser at our church. An elder here has joked with me about the stages of retirement. There's the go-go years. Right when you're retired, then there's the slow-go years, and then there's the no-go years. David is in his no-go years, and this is what he says to Solomon. Observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you go passing on from one generation to the next. Doesn't sound like rocket science, does it? Follow. Be faithful. As we move into this next season, 
I want to challenge those or encourage those who are older in the faith as much as you can to think about the next generation of believers and how you can align your heart with God which pours himself out into generation after generation. How can you not only tell them and encourage them to follow God because it's worth it and it works and it makes sense and when you're older, it still makes sense because God doesn't change. Not only that, but how to follow. So as we move into these seasons, this season of prayer and fasting, teach the younger generation, generations, how to do these things. They don't know. We don't know how to do anything when we're born. We have to learn every single thing. And we have the opportunity as we get older spiritually to invest into the younger generation. And I just want to say, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to have it all figured out. Look at David. We know his sins good and well. Don't let your flaws hold you back from passing on wisdom to the next generation. And so I just want to conclude this message today by saying That what God does with our submission to his ways, our alignment with his heart, when we pursue the means of grace, when we allow him to form us spiritually, what God does with that is nothing short of miraculous. David, a man after my own heart. If we start with alignment then what God does in our lives is he moves us from alignment to achieving great things. And let me tell you, if we get the order mixed up, we'll never see great things in our lives. But if we start with allowing our hearts to be formed and changed and molded into the image of Christ, what God does is he takes us up the, the so-called ladder as we float on the wings of grace into uncharted territories, things we never thought we would see or experience in our lives. That is what God does. He takes our meager efforts, shaken up, poured out. And let me just encourage you with that. That God takes our small investments and he explodes them with effectiveness. Dallas Willard talks about how we can recognize God's grace in our lives. It's when we look at the measurement of what we put into something, we look at the return on investment, the output, and it's like, that doesn't make sense. I didn't put nearly that much in. That's God's grace. And that's when we can stop and celebrate that God is doing something in our lives. So the major key that I want to drive home today is that that we start with pausing and saying, God, your heart and my heart, let's meet. And then we act. There's a great passage in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, where Paul says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good purpose. It's God that we need to make the change that we seek. 
And so you're going to have a time right now, we are going to have a time to receive maybe even a specific part of the means of grace that is called the gathering of God's people. And you're going to have the chance to come down front and kneel at the altar to receive what God may be calling you to. And so I just want to invite you to come down as we sing this song. You know, listen to God's heart even now. Have you viewed the disciplines as just that? Drudgery and not with delight? Ask God to help you delight in him. Have you believed the lie that you play no part in your journey and you're just waiting for God to meet you where you're at without you seeking after him as well? Have you believed the lie that you can be a passive player in the story? Have you neglected spending time with the Lord? Have you neglected that relationship? I think that this can be a time to repent, to say, God, I'm sorry. And here's the great thing. There's no shame. God says, come, yes, I've been waiting. There's no guilt, just goodness, mercy, and love. And so I just wanna invite you with this question, what is God asking you to do to align with his heart today? Hey, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this, please share it with others. And just as a reminder, check out my spiritual formation video course available for free. Search for spiritual formation at himpublications.com or click on the link in the show notes. Until next time. Thanks.